We have been reading Knowing God together for a few weeks. Uh, today was the fourth week, and the uh, chapter today is entitled uh, The True God, Knowing the True God. And yet, what's interesting is the topic. The topic is a little different than what you might think just based on that innocuous title. What I'm going to uh, share in the communion meditation is the topic that we discussed. I'll read from Exodus 20, verses 4 through 6. Actually, I'll start reading at verse 2. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word, and we pray, please, open our minds to a better understanding of it, and have us rely upon the power of Christ, the power of his spirit at work in us, to be obedient to your word. You command us in here to obey, Lord, and we know that we do that through your strength. In Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. So, knowing the true God, this fourth chapter of knowing God, the entire chapter is about idolatry. It's about our violations of the second commandment. You shall not make for yourself a carved image any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth, you shall not bow down to them nor serve them. I want to mention a few of those phrases. Carved image, and so this obviously that's being referred to is something tangible, it's something you can touch. It's like the uh, calf that Aaron made in the wilderness. You can see it, you can touch it. In a sense, that's why people make these, because they can't see God. They want something to worship that they can see. And so that's what the text of the second commandment tells us not to do, not to make this any likeness of anything that then we would worship and bow down and worship. Any likeness of anything. That's pretty comprehensive. Now, in Deuteronomy 4.12, Moses said, he's reminding them, he's at the end of his life, he is about to die, and he's reminding them what has occurred over the last 40 years. So you know that he can't be talking to any of the people that were over 20 because they're all dead now. And so he's talking to all of these that were children. They were under 20, as well as all the ones that have come along since then. So he's telling all these people, you saw no form. You only heard a voice. That's what the people did at Mount Sinai. They were all there, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, and they hear God's voice booming from this mountain, but they did not see God. They did not see a form of God. They only heard his voice. And then later he says, take careful heed, for you saw no form, lest you act corruptly. And so he's reminding them that the second commandment exists for a reason and that we can all be led into corruption by wanting 
to serve a God that we can see or that we can visualize. Because this is controversial in our day. I don't know that you know this. But when I was teaching Sunday school at Trinity, we would get Sunday school material. And when it's in a gospel, when it's a gospel story involving Jesus, you would typically see a little picture of Jesus in this Sunday school material. And now this was Great Commission Publications. I mean, this is a, and I think they're affiliated also, with that. I think they support the OPC and PCA. And so this was not entirely acceptable to the various elders of the PCA and the OPC because they didn't like seeing these caricatures of Jesus in this Sunday school material. They felt it was a violation of the second commandment. And that is because any picture of Jesus would obviously not be possible to convey his dual nature. He was both man and God. So yes, we could say that it represents his humanity, his masculinity even, but it cannot represent his divinity. And so we talked about that at length this morning when we were talking about this chapter four in Knowing God. How did artists in the Middle Ages and the Renaissance period paint Jesus? When, they, when you see pictures like Da Vinci's The Last Supper, I think it was Da Vinci that painted The Last Supper, right? Show my ignorance up here. But when you see that, how is Jesus shown? And when you look at an old Bible from 100 years ago, like I had a family Bible in my house. None of us ever looked at it except me at times because it was on the bookshelf with all the other books. So I'd haul it out. And it's a book about, you know, four inches thick. And I'd open it up and it's King, King James. And all I did was look at the pictures. It was tough to read, but I would see the pictures of Jesus. And I was so puzzled by all of these pictures. What is that around that guy? They would always have this like sun that's behind Jesus, supposedly demonstrating that he's different. I didn't know, I grew up in a home, I had no knowledge of God, no knowledge of Jesus or his word. I didn't know what this meant. And it didn't convey to me what, who Jesus was. And now I ask you, it is a ubiquitous representation of Jesus, a depiction of him that's popular amongst Roman Catholics and even nowadays many Protestants, but it's the crucifix. We have lots and lots and lots, millions I'm sure, hundreds of millions, of a variety of crucifixes that show Jesus hanging on the cross. And yet, that is a depiction. And I ask you, is that a violation of the second commandment? Is this the way that we want to see Jesus portrayed in our culture? I can tell you from a perspective of being an unbeliever up until I was 18 or 19, Jesus Christ on the cross made no sense to me whatsoever. I had no idea why that man was on that cross. And I didn't care enough to ask people because then of course they would try to tell me. And I didn't wanna go there. I didn't want to, these religious people talking to me. And so I just ignored it. So now maybe it is this subliminal advertising for people to ask you about your Christianity to have a crucifix or a cross. Yet we have to ask ourselves, are we violating the second commandment when we do these things? The cross, Jesus on the cross displays him at a point in time and it displays him only as a man. 
both deficient, really, in terms of a full representation of who God is, of who Christ was and what he accomplished. Now, what is wrong, though, with us picturing Jesus or God in our minds? I had a friend in the service who, when I told him I had a headache one day, he said, oh, try this, try this. He said, what I do when I have a headache is I close my eyes and I tilt my head back and I imagine that my head is full of this yucky, gooey paint. And so I tip my head out and I pour all that yucky, gooey paint out of my head. And he said, it helps me. Now I tried that several times. It didn't help me at all. Maybe it would help you, I don't know. But visualization is a way that people can actually have an effect upon their body. Um, I remember, and I shared this once long ago, but there was a, a study done, and there were a group of basketball players that were over here shooting free throws, and then there's a group of basketball players over here on the benches watching them shoot uh, basketballs, and then there's another group of basketball players that don't have to do anything. They're just sitting there. But the group that is sitting there that were commanded to watch them shooting free throws and imagine yourself as shooting the free throws and it's amazing but the people shooting the free throws didn't improve in their ability to make the baskets as much as the people sitting on the benches that had to only imagine themselves shooting the baskets weird right they are affecting their motor, motor skills coordination they're improving them by not moving sitting on a bleacher watching other people do it. So there is power in visualization. I mean, and any sports coach could tell you this, but is that what God would have us to do relative to our Lord, relative to the Holy Spirit, relative to God the Father? It's true that there are portions of scripture that refer to God, even, even God the Father on his throne. The glass in Revelation, we went through some of these. Is that an encouragement then for you to memorize that for the purpose of imagining that as being God the Father and you one day entering into his presence? Well, if it would be a violation of the second commandment, obviously not. We know this. But yet God does attempt to use words to convey his glory to us in ways that can make us in awe of him. Yet he doesn't want us to obsess about that. He doesn't want us to take that, get it into some poster, put it on our wall, hang it over our child's cribs so we feel better at night. That is idolatry. So you have to watch where your heart goes. Are you using your imaginations in a way that God would rather you not? So we all have to be honest with ourselves. So we can become idolaters in ways that seem so subtle that seems so innocent, and yet we must hold one another accountable for not doing that. Jesus, with the Samaritan woman, he told her, she, she, yes, you have no husband. You've had five husbands, and the man you now live with is not your husband. And what did she say? Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Then she immediately picked an argument with him. You Jews, you Jews say we have to worship God in Jerusalem. And what did Jesus say? You Samaritans worship what you do not know. The Jews are correct. 
They know God. They worship in Jerusalem. But there is coming a time. He rapidly changed the subject, but he fully rebuked her for her idolatry, for her attempting to justify the fact that they were worshiping the true God, Yahweh, up in the hills around Samaria. You worship what you do not know. And any time we are engaged in this imaginative way of picturing God, we are worshiping a figment of our own imaginations. We're not worshiping the true God. God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship in spirit, meaning that there can't be a picture, and truth. And all truth, we know, comes from God. And that truth comes to us from God in one way. Revelation. Revelation of his word. So, we must honor the true God, not a God of our own imaginations. And the true God invites us to this table to worship him. Let's do that. Lord God, we know that your word, as properly understood, conveys truth. And we must abide by that truth. So we pray, Father, please rebuke us if any of us are in any way engaged in a violation of the second commandment and attempting to justify it, mitigate against it. We thank you, Lord, that your word is truth. We want to obey this truth. So we pray, grant us the insight, the understanding, uh, the will uh, to obey you in this. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.